Uh, if you guys would like to follow along, today the scripture starts in Proverbs 10, 1. A wise man makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. It continues in uh, chapter 17, verse 21. He who sires a fool gives himself sorrow, and a father of a fool has no joy. And after that, it continues in chapter 23, verses 24 and 25. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your mother and father be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Thank you, Robert. Let's pray together before we receive God's word together. Father, please speak to us in a way that we can receive, in a way that we can understand. And please open our hearts to your word. May we be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I pray, I'm sensitive as we get into this, these scriptures, uh, about those whose relationships with their parents are complicated, uh, which I guess all of us are somewhat that way. I just pray for your, your grace upon each and every one of us as we receive these words about how we are to relate to our parents, that you would guide us to truth here, that your Holy Spirit would be within us and among us, making plain not only the truth of what you've taught us is wise, but also keeping ever in our minds the truth about your son, Jesus Christ. That in him we can be forgiven and cleansed, made new, that relationships can be restored. Please bless this time, Lord, as we're in your word. and May it go forth among us and accomplish your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be bouncing around throughout the book of Proverbs to a couple of different verses. We're pretty much out of the first nine chapters of Proverbs uh, at the beginning of the year. Lately, each year we've been getting into Proverbs moving forward. And the first nine chapters are filled with invitations to listen to God's wisdom. And then once it hits chapter 10, it just becomes uh, what can almost seem like scattershot, short snippets and sayings of wisdom from God. And so what we're going to do as we move forward from here, um, when we enter Proverbs, is we'll gather sort of a collection of Proverbs on a, on a topic. And so this one starts, Proverbs 10, chapter 1, has to do with how we relate to our parents. Now, you're all familiar with, with uh, the phenomenon of people in their adulthood going to therapy for their complicated emotional issues and inevitably coming to a point where they blame their parents for them. Uh, we've all heard jokes about it. Some of us have experienced it personally. There's truth to it. I heard one parent say jokingly that whenever his kids think that he's done anything unfair to them at all, he encourages them to write it down, keep a record of it, and date it, and he'll initial it to make the kids' future therapy go a lot more smoothly for him. <laughs> there is truth to it, though. Our, who we are today is in large part shaped by our parents. Our parents have shaped us. Those of us who are parents, we're shaping our children, have shaped our children. That's true. Proverbs talks a lot about that. But that's not what these verses we're going to look at today are about. What we're going to look at today is a bit of wisdom from God that we, I think, 
rarely, or at least not frequently enough, think about. Yes, parents shape their children's lives, but it's also true that, true that children shape their parents' lives. Wise Christians, we will see in these verses, take responsibility for the effect they have on their parents. Wise Christians take responsibility for the effect they have on their parents. They take every opportunity they can to bless their parents. Now, this is true for young people. You know, often when we think about parent-child relationships, we're thinking about young children. This is true for young children. This is true for teenagers. It's also true for adults. And it's also true for adults with parents who are aging, who are elderly and need care. It's true for people in the Old Testament, which is where we'll be reading today. It's also true for New Covenant people, which is who we are today, New Testament people, after Jesus' life and death and resurrection. It remains true that we shape our parents' lives in a lot of ways. So we're going to think about that today. God cares about how we affect our parents, and we should care about how we affect our parents. I do just want to mention, I know that this can be a sensitive topic because our relationships with our parents are some of the most complicated and complex, and we have more history with them than anyone. And often throughout that history, things can happen and regrets can emerge, and um, it can become a sensitive issue. And I want to handle it sensitively, but also straightforwardly in light of God's word. I also want to acknowledge, I know that many of us have lost our parents. And so as we talk about our parents, it, it brings up all kinds of emotions of of just missing them and grief. And, um, and I want to be sensitive to that too. I know, uh, especially recently we've lost some parents that we've loved and cherished. And, um, so this is sort of sacred ground as we look at God's word here. And we'll start with Proverbs 10 verse one, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. And that word sorrow could be translated grief. In the King James, it translates it uh, a little more poetically with more imagery that a, a um, foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. A foolish son can, can weigh a mother down as time goes on. Now, we've talked in Proverbs about consequences a good bit. How we live, the decisions we make has consequences either for the good or for the bad for us. And we've talked about that. But what we see here and what I want you to notice is how we live also has consequences for other people in our lives, including our parents. And it's not just how we treat our parents that affects our parents. It's how we choose to live that also affects our parents. So the questions for us as we enter into these verses is, are we living wisely or foolishly according to God's word? Are we creating for our parents gladness or sorrow? We're going to look at three aspects of our living that affect our parents. Working, listening, and caring. These are just three verses from the book of Proverbs that will help us think about this together. So we'll start with working, and we'll read Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, a wise son. But he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. 
And in context, I believe that shame is brought not just upon him, but also his parents. Gathering in summer versus sleeping in harvest, these are probably not images that resonate with us anything like they would have with the original audience of young people. Uh, We're not an agrarian society that much. Some of you may have gardens, but I don't think we have any actual farmers. But for these people, they understood what that meant. As the summer crept on, harvest time comes about, and it's time to work. And the prudent son, the wise son, works when it's time to work. The foolish son sleeps when it's time for harvest. Gets on in late summer, into fall. They've been procrastinating, being lazy. They haven't been harvesting. Agricultural deadlines are a little different from the work deadlines you and I may face. I I face a a very public deadline weekly to be ready to preach. And it's amazing how sharp my concentration can get as the week gets on. I always start on Mondays and it's sort of a, a leisurely, I read through the passage, I pray through it, I take some notes. Uh, Tuesday, I get a little bit more honed in. Wednesday, I'm trying to get a lot more serious about getting specific. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday are basically one little ball of time. And by the time it's Sunday morning, my last read-through in the morning with my coffee, I'm like a laser beam focused because the deadline is here. But an agricultural deadline is not quite that sharp and distinct. It's You have a swath of time to get a lot of work done. And it kind of comes and passes a little bit more softly, a little bit more slowly. And so I'm sure that there are young people that procrastinated about getting involved in the work of the harvest, just like we'll procrastinate even when we do have a hard deadline until it's upon us. But since it was such a soft deadline, it was easy for it to pass and and for ruin to come because they didn't harvest, they don't have their crop, and that has all kinds of implications. So they would have understood what this mean, what this meant. A wise child works when it's time to work. A foolish child doesn't. And the decisions we make regarding how we work affect our parents. Now, again, in their society, it would have been a lot more immediate because they were all in, in most likely one household, at least one, one living area, and the results of the work directly affected all the generations living there. And for us, it's a little more indirect But the principle does still hold true. So for kids, this means we need to do the chores before we do the video games. For the teens getting older, beginning to drive, it means you really need to think seriously about getting a job. When we have jobs, it means we need to get there on time and do our work. This is just simple wisdom from God's word. But if we fail to do these things, if we procrastinate, I can remember... So clearly, one night, as an elementary school student, it was about 8 or 9 o'clock. It was, everybody was getting, it was time for bed. And I said, oh, yeah, Mom, uh, my science project's due tomorrow. And we hadn't thought about it. We hadn't started it. And I can remember the stress and the pressure of that. If we don't do our work when it's time to work, if we stretch our, our adolescence on into our 20s, on into our 30s, not working, not gaining financial independence, not getting serious about our work. It doesn't just affect us. It affects our parents. If we get fired for being late and lazy, inevitably it doesn't just affect us. It affects our parents. It may not affect them until years and years later, but our work habits will affect them, particularly when it comes time for us to begin caring for them. And we're not financially in any position even to care for ourselves. 
Have you ever thought about that? How your work ethic affects not only you, but also your parents. And I have to highlight how the verse ends. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Now, that's a serious word, bring shame. Now, Matt and I went to a seminary class Friday. It's my normal class, and he was gracious, came with me. And one of the, the most helpful things that we heard in that class didn't have to do with really the, the core of the teaching. It was a side note about the difference between guilt and shame. And I thought, I want to use that Sunday. He highlighted that guilt and shame are not the same thing. Sometimes we can just sort of conflate them as, as one thing, but they're not. When you feel guilty, you feel like you did something wrong. But when you feel ashamed, you feel like you are something wrong. There's not just something wrong with what you did. There's something wrong with you, who you are. That's what shame is. And when we sleep in harvest, when we're lazy and careless about our work, it can often, according to this principle in Proverbs, cause our parents to feel like there's something wrong with them. Maybe something wrong with the way they raised us. Some failure that they have within themselves. Something I must have done is why my, my son is like this, my daughter is like this. So let's think about our work ethic and let's think about our parents. We have an opportunity in our work, in our jobs, where we spend the majority of our time to bless our parents. Maybe in a very indirect way that you might not see every day when you clock in and clock out and sit at your desk or get in your truck or your bus, but working wisely will bless our parents. And that's even more incentive to work well. We have a lot of incentive as Christians to work hard and work well, work with creativity and ambition. This is just another layer of that. Work is good. There was work in the Garden of Eden before sin came along, before the fall. We're made to work. We're made to express our creativity, serve people through work. And here's just another added blessing. When we work well, we can bless our parents. Now let's go on to another verse. Another way that our living affects our parents has to do with our listening. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer, someone who rolls his eyes and laughs at at something like that, mocks and puts down, a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Rebuke is when someone's trying to help you correct something that's wrong with you. It's painful. Nobody likes it. It's a major part of the parent's task. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. A wise child will hear his parents' instruction. As a little child, that's really simple. You just need to obey if you're a little child. I know that many of you are thinking this should be a children's sermon. Little kids need to obey their parents. It's wise for them. That's some of the first opportunities for a little child to reflect and live in light of God's wisdom is by obeying their mom and dad. Don't touch that. And then don't touch it. Not, don't touch that, and then one last touch. As a teenager, it's still obedience, but also receiving the instruction, the wisdom, the correction of the parent in a more mature way. Teenagers, some of the, the best ways for you 
to be wise according to God's word right now had to do with your relationship with your mother and your father. If you are wise, you will respect them and listen to what they have to say. But it's your choice. You're not a robot. You're a human being. You can choose to do that or you can choose to scoff. There she goes again. There he goes again. Like they know anything. I'm 12 years old. I know what I'm doing. As an adult, it doesn't necessarily look like obedience. But it can look like seeking counsel with our parents, listening to their advice. Now, you may not always heed it. You may, have, you may be a Christian. Your parents may be non-Christian. And so although they have the, t- the type of wisdom that comes from experience in the world, they don't have the type of wisdom that comes from God and his word. And so it may be that their worldview will not output advice that's compatible with your worldview now as a new creature in Christ. But that does, that's still, you can still listen to them. You can still respect them and hear them, hear what they have to say. When's the last time you asked your parent, no matter what age you are, when's the last time you asked your parents or even your grandparents for advice? You've got a decision, you've got a difficult thing going on with your own children or a financial matter or a career change. When's the last time you picked up the phone and said, Mom, Dad, I just need to run something by you and see if you have any insight that would help me think about this. Now, you who are parents, wouldn't you love that? We kind of live for that as parents. We don't want to end up as adult teenagers scoffing and rolling our eyes at our parents. The more mature we get as Christians, the more we'll respect and listen to our parents. So let's think about our listening and, to our, and think about our parents. How, how do we listen to them? How do we seek counsel from them? Thirdly, caring. And we'll look at Proverbs 19, 26. Proverbs 19, 26. It's the last one we'll look at for this morning. Proverbs 19, 26. He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. Now the image here again is of, of that ancient Israelite culture. And in my studies, I believe what the image is, is this is an adult son, an adult, probably an adult son in their culture, but in our, in our context, it could be a son or a daughter whose parents have aged out of being able to care for their estate care for their home, care for their finances, care for their cars, care for their situation. Now, in their case, it was possible for the oldest son in particular to then gain basically that inheritance, parents still alive, and then do the father violence and chase the mother away by saying, look, this is my deal now. Y'all are on your own. You had your time. Now, I know you hear that. That seems so harsh, so awful. No, we would never do that. In our context, it's a little bit more subtle. But there are ways in which we will be tempted to do violence to our parents, to treat them badly, to mistreat them, to speak harshly to them, to live in a way that's uncaring to them and their needs. For young people, it may be as simple as a careless, I hate you, and a door slam. Not realizing that 
You're bringing shame and reproach upon your parents. Older adults, it can have to do with mistreating aging parents indirectly. Now, this is a really good opportunity for me to address a worrying phenomenon that I see, uh, not just among our people, but it does affect our people here, but just in general, and in our culture, I see a worrying phenomenon, and I'll kind of describe it to you. We get into difficult circumstances as families, particularly when we have young children. It's difficult to raise young children. It is, I believe, much, much more difficult to raise young children alone in a single-parent situation. And it's much more difficult to raise children in a complicated family situation where there's strife and where there's trouble. And we get into these situations because we're all sinful and we make mistakes and we hurt each other. And in our families, that's where we're the closest with one another. So that's where it really happens the most probably. And, And so family issues can just make it very difficult to raise children. And sometimes when we're in these situations, we need help. And so we reach out to our parents, the generation up, the grandparents, very, very often the grandmother. And so the grandmother comes in to help because she loves us, she loves our children and comes to help. What worries me is when I see these things become not just a season of difficulty, but a lifestyle of leaning far too heavily on grandparents to provide for the family and raise the grandchildren. And what I see is grandparents who are getting older, who are beginning to need care, almost enslaved in the backbreaking sometimes work of caring for grandchildren. Now, grandparents love the grandchildren. They're, I mean, they're, if there's a need, they are going to be there. It really is up to the parents of the children to protect and care for their parents rather than abuse them and use them. Now, again, I do not mean condemnation here is something we need to think about, though. There are seasons in life when we have to lean heavily on other people. There are seasons in life when we have to lean heavily on our parents to help us with our children. That happens. I get that completely. We lean on our parents. But just beware of slipping in to growing comfortable, allowing too much burden to rest on their shoulders. It is a way, I think, that we subtly can slip into mistreating our parents. That's what the Bible means when it says doing violence to them. It doesn't mean that you slap them. I don't believe there's really anybody among us that would do that, but there are other ways, more subtle ways that we can slip into it. We are to care for our parents as they get older. At at some point, the balance of care shifts where we need to begin to take responsibility for their welfare. Now, that was a lot more acute and obvious in their ancient Israelite culture because they were all together, probably living under the same roof. And it's a little bit more complicated today because sometimes we live states away from them and, and geographically it's not easy. But I do think it's something we need to think about and I'll read you a scripture for why in First um, Timothy First Timothy chapter 5. You don't have to flip there, but just listen to it. I just want to show you that this is for us New Covenant believers as well. When Paul is instructing Timothy how to steer his church in terms of caring for widows, he says in 1 Timothy 5, verse 4, But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household, 
and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. And then down in verse 8, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So God's concern for how we deal with our parents, and particularly our aging parents, as they become increasingly vulnerable, uh, doesn't abate. It doesn't, it doesn't lessen in the New Testament. It's still very much there. Even though they're not necessarily in our household, we're still the only children that they, they have and the only grandchildren that they have. So we do have responsibility and opportunity here. Now, I've talked about the negative side of this. I also want to talk about the positive side of this. Another really awesome phenomenon that I see among us are people really rising to the challenge of this in a beautiful, godly, awesome way. We have had people among our church who have been, been and have in the past poured themselves out caring for their parents. And I just want to affirm that because that is such important ministry. You know, you have different ministries of the, of the church, and some are sort of official ministries, like I'm up here preaching, and that's a part of the church ministry. But then you have all the silent, subtle, more invisible ministries that we do as the body of Christ in our day-to-day lives, and that's one of them. And it's very, very important. And so you who have cared for aging parents and or sick parents, you who are caring for parents in that way, you who are anticipating it and plan on embracing that, calling on your life. I just applaud you and want to honor you and affirm that in you. If you have to withdraw from certain ministries of the church in order to attend to your aging parents as only a child can, then I'm behind you in that. And and we can pray through that. But that is a really, really important ministry. So rather than doing violence and chasing away, we want to bless and care for and draw near our parents as they grow older. And I recognize that that's not always easy. And you who have been in caretaking situations can attest that it is often some of the very most difficult ministry callings that people can receive. My mom's a social worker that cares for people who care for people with dementia and Alzheimer's. And it is, you need all the support you can get if you get into that kind of a situation. But I, I want you to know that as a church, we do support that, and we do support you in that. And I hope you'll see it not just as your calling, but as our calling, and we'll support you in any way that we can as you get into these kinds of situations. In our working, in our listening, and our caring, we greatly affect our parents. The greatest gift we can give them, you know, Father's Day, Mother's Day will be coming up. You know, you can send them a card, and that's great. Give them a call, take them out to lunch, but... Start thinking about now deeper ways, deeper gifts you can give them in how you work and how you listen to them and how you care for them. Take some time today to think about your effect on your parents. Prayerfully consider if there's maybe a step you can take forward in how you care for them, how you affect them. Maybe it has to do with your work, your financial picture. When you look at that, when you look at your bank statement and into your wallet, maybe it's just a step of not only thinking about you, but also thinking about the future and your parents. Maybe it's a step to listen to them, giving them a call, dropping by for a visit, taking them out to lunch. Maybe it's a, if you're young, if you're a child or a teenager, maybe it's a step of obedience, something you've known for a while. Your parents would love it if you would do, but you haven't done it because you don't want to. 
But maybe this simple step is a way that you can honor them and honor God. Clean your room, wash the car, I don't know. Eat your vegetables. If they're aging, maybe there's a step you can take in caring for them. Maybe a little bit more leadership among the siblings or removing some burden for caring for them. Maybe, maybe, it has, maybe it's harder. Maybe you need to have some conversations with your spouse and really think through your schedule and your, your workload and figure out ways to make yourself more available. And if you, if you can't, because I know often we can't care for our parents the way we want to, then maybe it's just time to be praying for the Lord to show you how to move forward. I know this gets complex. I don't mean to talk about it simplistically. I know it gets very complex. Maybe you just need some people to pray with you in this regard. And I'm happy to do that anytime. After the service, well, you, we, people sitting near to you huddle together and pray through it. Come on Sunday mornings, we'll pray through it together. But we have a great opportunity. We all have parents. Now, as I mentioned, some, some of our parents have passed away. Maybe we don't have living parents anymore. There's a way we can honor their memory. We'll do that for those who passed away last year next week. But that's ministry that we can all do together. It's a way to be wise together as Christians. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that you get so practical in it, in this, this niche of our lives that I think we often don't think about. And I know that I personally don't think about it enough. Just give us uh, guidance how you would have us to proceed from here. If there's repentance that needs to happen, uh, if we have felt guilty as we've heard this scripture, Lord, help us just to turn to Jesus Christ and for forgiveness and not to feel guilty because for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. We can forget what lies behind and we can press on toward the goal and we can move forward as new creatures from here. And I, I pray that upon anybody that feels guilty. Uh, if, if we feel shame, as if not only that maybe we've, dropped the ball and done something wrong, but that we are somehow flawed and wrong. Uh, There may be truth to it because of the sin inherent in each of us. And again, help us to turn to Christ for that, to be washed clean and to be transformed and given a new heart, a new identity. Where our enemy would like to whisper condemnation and false accusations to us in regard to our relationship with our parents, I pray that you would just silence that. And help us to discern between conviction of the Holy Spirit that leads to action and condemnation of the evil one that just leads to us feeling bad. May we be a wise people in how we deal with our parents. In Jesus' name, amen.